The Church of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, invites you to join us for this edition of the Bible study program, Shi'ar Jeshub. I'm Patty Scalzo, and today, my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, will be continuing the Heavenly Authority series. The sermon we are currently in was a conclusion to the section, Touch Not My Anointed, and taken from the book of 1 Samuel. David, after sparing Saul's life for a second time, becomes fearful and says in his heart that someday he will perish by the hand of Saul. Under this constant stress from Saul and his men, David forgets the promises of God and the command to stay in Judah, and he instead flees to the enemy, the Philistines, to Achish, king of Gath. Achish gives him the town of Ziklag, and from there David attacks the enemies of Judah, pretending to Achish that the spoils are from raids on Judean towns. The ruse works until the Philistine lords all gather together against Israel, and Achish requires David and his men to join him in battle. Now let's rejoin Pastor Greg in chapter 28. We read in verse 5, when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was greatly afraid and his heart trembled greatly. Fear comes upon Saul. First of all, David's not there anymore, right? David did great things in battle for Saul. He doesn't have David any longer. And then verse 6, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. So there's no answer in dreams. We know that's one way God speaks to people like Joseph, though not every dream and not most dreams come from God. But God does speak through dreams. The Urim and the Thummim, the inquiry, nothing there, or by the prophets. And in this silence, there's a sadness that Saul, so anointed by God, now cannot hear the voice of God what to do. And there's a point that we can push the Holy Spirit so far away that we no longer can hear his voice. And so he makes his final sin, the final abomination. Saul, in desperation, consults a medium, a spiritist, a witch at Indor. And he tells her to call up Samuel. And God allows Samuel to contact Saul for a purpose, to proclaim his will. In verse 15, now Samuel said to Saul, the spirit of Samuel speaks to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophet nor by dreams. Therefore I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. And you see again that attitude of Samuel as almost some type of wizard in Saul's mind. You know, just give me the blessing. Just show the people you favor me. Remember that section we studied? So God hasn't answered me. Well, Samuel, you tell me what to do. You tell me what's going to happen. And Samuel said, So why do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? 
If God has left you and he's not speaking to you, what am I going to tell you? And the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. And Saul is in despair. In chapter 29, when Achish brings David and his men to the Philistines, he has them in the back of his troops. And the princes of the Philistines gather, and when they see David and his men, they say, well, what is this Hebrew doing here? And Achish stands up. He's been fooled by David, and he stands up for David. But the princes sensibly reject David, saying, you know, he can turn against us in the battle, which, of course, he would. He would be in the back. So they reject him coming. And then you read in verse 6 of chapter 29 that Achish called David and said to him, Surely as the Lord lives, you have been upright, and you're going out and you're coming in with me, and the army is good in my sight. For to this day I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. Nevertheless, the lords, those are the princes, do not favor you. Therefore return now and go in peace, that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. So David gets to go. Notice how Achish says, as Yahweh lives, as the Lord lives. Now, Yahweh is not the God of the Philistines. So obviously, David has had some type of impact upon Achish. And the Lord takes David out of this very difficult situation by having the princes reject him. But David is not out of the woods yet for his fear and in going into the land of the Philistines. Because you read down below in chapter 30, verse 1, that as they're coming back to Ziklag, the Amalekites invaded uh, the south in Ziklag. They attacked Ziklag and they burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and those that were there from the small to the great. They didn't kill anyone, but they carried them away. So when David and his men come to the city on the third day, they find it burned with fire, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all taken captive. And David and his people started to raise up their voices and they started to weep until it says in verse 4, they had no more power to weep. And David's wives were carried away with the Amalekites. And David himself was greatly distressed, and the people talked about stoning him, for the soul of all the people was grieved. And then it says in verse 7, Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Now he's going to inquire of God. It's very possible that, that in that ephod were the real Urim and the Thummim. Perhaps what Saul had was a replica or um, a replacement, we don't know. But remember, Abiathar escapes with the ephod. And he then inquires of the Lord for David. And so David inquired of the, of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David goes out and he recovers his family and his possessions and he sends from the spoils presents to the various places of Judah 
to show them that his heart is with Israel and not with the Philistines. But finally brought to this point where there's nothing else he could do. You know how it says up above uh, in verse 1 of chapter 27, and David said in his heart, and a lot of times we make problems worse by dwelling on them and worrying about them. And we take actions we shouldn't take. He ran to the Philistines. He almost lost all his family. Finally, he gets to the point he can't do anything about it. They're helpless. They're crying, they're weeping, and now he inquires of God. After 16 months, he inquires of God, and God is gracious. God answers him, and he's restored to fellowship with the Lord, and he receives back his family. They win a great victory over the Amalekites, and David is restored. We should learn the lesson from David. What he did is very human, but we have to come back and inquire of God. Even after we've been pressed and made to do something stupid, we need to come to our senses and turn back to the Lord and seek the Lord's will and his way. Israel has to flee before the Philistines at Mount Gilboa, the plain of Jezreel. Saul's sons are killed in chapter 31, including good Jonathan. And then we read in verse 3, the battle became fierce against Saul. The archers hit him, and he was severely wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not for he was greatly afraid. Then Saul took a sword and fell on it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. And the Philistines come and they take the bodies and they, they make a spectacle. In 2 Samuel, it opens with David at Ziklag. And a young man comes, his clothes are torn, there's dust on his head, and he brings news about what has happened at Mount Kaboa. Verse 3, the young man falls on the ground before David, and David says to him, Where have you come from? So he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. Then David said to him, How did the matter go? Please tell me. And he answered, The people have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead, and Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. So David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and Jonathan his son are dead? Then the young man who told him said, As I happened to chance to be on Mount Geboa, there was Saul leaning on his spear, and indeed the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me, and I answered, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? So I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said to me again, Please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and killed him because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. Therefore David took hold of his own clothes and tore them. 
and so did all the men who were with him. Now, one of two things happened. Based on the way we read the end of 1 Samuel chapter 31, it sounds like Saul dies right away because the armor bearer falls, kills himself then when he sees Saul dead. Uh, if that's the case, then this young Amalekite is making up the whole story about how he put the final blow into Saul. And why would he do that? Well, he knows David is Saul's enemy. So if he comes to David with the crown and all the other accoutrements, he looks to find favor from David. That's one possibility. The other possibility is that when we read that verse in verse 5, and when the armor bearer saw the Saul was dead, we're not getting all the information there. And from the mouth of this young man, we're getting more detail that Saul, as the anointed of the Lord, even is not dead after he's been shot with many arrows, even after he tries to commit suicide, he's, his life is still hanging on. And this Amalekite does indeed bring the final blow, which is ironic, considering he's an Amalekite, and Saul's sin was Amalek, preserving Amalek. As always, we would greatly enjoy hearing from you. Our address is Shi'ar Jashub, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Though our P.O. Box is in Branford, our Sunday service is at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. The Memorial Hall is just across the lane from the James Madison Memorial. Service is at 10 a.m. We pray the Lord Jesus blesses you as you grow in the knowledge of Him.